This episode of The A Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Hey, what's going on? Have you guys been locked in a room recording five podcasts a day for three summers like we have? Since The A Show has started, one of our goals has always been to collaborate with brands and obtain sponsorships in order to continue to grow. And we were met with that opportunity through the good folks at Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host reads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. We just made an account, signed up, and almost immediately we were connected with brands who wanted to provide sponsorship opportunities to us. So uh, thank you to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode, and make sure you start exploring sponsorship opportunities and monetizing your podcast by signing up at podcorn.com slash podcasters. Now let's start the show. And just like that, they buy it. They eat it up. You pander to them. You thank them. I mean, really, people, I thought you were a little bit smarter than that. I mean, it's just so easy wow. to say the name of the city. You cheer. Hey, oh, Stephanie, Stephanie, you just cheer. I just, mean, just come on. Welcome to the A Show. to the A Show with the kings of pro wrestling podcasts, Mills and Justin. It is episode 123, Mills. We are nearly on the road to WrestleMania. However, we have to get through Saudi Arabia. So how you doing? Oh, God. All right. Well, I guess that's a little bit of a road bump, right? Like in, in retrospect now, like to have it to get to the road to WrestleMania through Saudi Arabia just kind of seems like a detour that I'd rather not take. Um. Nonetheless, first of all, how's everything with you? Uh, everything's good. I mean, we're, we're, we're barreling into WrestleMania territory. I'm getting everything set for my trip in April. I'll be with Cyrus and Mark. Uh, we're going to have a blast, man. I'm, I'm ready for Tampa. I'm excited. All right. All right. I hear you. All right. <laughs> You're okay. not excited for me. All right. I mean, I hear you. That's what I can say. I mean, shoot. I should plan a watch party in the city or something. Like, that's what I should do. I should really make WrestleMania yeah, a local experience for us New Yorkers who are not going to Tampa, which is apparently all of us. Um, <laughs> um, this is just the warm-up. This is the warm-up for, for, for uh, LA. For LA? That's what I, I look at. Listen, all right, that's much yeah. better because LA better be, listen, by the time WrestleMania comes out there, that stadium better be hooked up, ready to go. The area around it better not be no dilapidated, nothing like that. Need just it to be top of the line. Just top of the line. Yeah. That's, what I'm that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, we're super excited for it. Uh, I, I hope that anyone that is coming out to Mania uh, that weekend, or specifically even Wale Mania, holla at me. Uh, say what's up. We're going to be out there. going to be having a great, great, great time. The A-Show will definitely be in the building. RNC Radio will definitely be in the building. So uh, check us out over there. Uh, but let's run into No Holds Bar. We got, a, we got a pretty light week on news. We just had some breaking news happen before the show uh, started. Uh, so I'm going to get right to that right now. Samoa Joe was suspended uh, yesterday for 30 days for his first infraction of a wellness policy. Uh, now, 
a couple of weeks ago, I want to say on February 3rd, WrestleVotes had tweeted that there were more suspensions to come when Andrade got suspended that day. Wait, wait, wait is WrestleVotes a reputable source? I just want to know because we're... Well, th- that's what people are. Well, they've gotten one or two things wrong, but for okay. the most part, they've gotten a lot of things right. The Edge thing, most recently, they got right. I mean, okay, all right. Nobody expected that. the Edge thing. They, they I said mean, the Edge thing before everyone. I mean, there were signs not at Rumble. in the audience. There were signs in the audience. It's not like no one expected it. It's just but, well, there were signs in the audience because of that tweet, Mills. Nah. I can't. I, <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna. All right, all right. I'm not gonna give it to them. Russell votes. I, I appreciate we're you. Are semantics? I'm pretty sure people on Twitter can probably uh, point you more things they've gotten right. I to, I think they got like a 75 percent hit ratio, but I don't follow the account. Uh, mm-hmm. But they said that there were more there were more suspensions coming, and Samoa Joe was singled out. Samoa Joe had gotten he went came back to TV. Remember, because he actually did have a match, and then. Uh, after that, they said he says he had gotten during a commercial, and now today he's been suspended. I have no clue what's the truth. I have no clue what really happened here, but uh, he'll be out until around March twenty fourth, and uh, he'll if he's going to be in Mania, he'll probably be in the Andre if that's going to be where he goes. We're on commentary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, it's a sad situation for Joe. It seems like a, just a bad. Would you? If you were Samoa Joe at this moment and you're kind of taking all this kind of you get the bad luck, you got the injury, you put on commentary, everyone loves you on commentary, but essentially you're back in the ring. You come back into the ring and then probably like two months later, you're essentially back out and now you're suspended. If you're Samoa Joe, I mean, what's your kind of line of thinking about this entire thing? Is it more so like, yo, I'm having possibly the worst kind of run ever maybe it's a sign maybe i should you know kind of rethink how i'm doing things just in general like what would you in your brain if you were samoa joe what would be going through your mind but this kind of like seemingly string of bad luck that he's been having i, I chalk it up to just having a bad a bad year uh in general i mean he, he was out for it for a, a while had another concussion uh he's been having issues for a while i, I think that you know the wellness thing i don't know what it is I don't know what it could have possibly have been, had been, you know, like th- these things are very much, we just get them announced and then we don't know what the substance is. Um, so I mean, again, I, I don't think it's a, a sign that he needs to hang it up in particular in the ring, maybe stop taking crazy bumps. Like he still does. Like, I think the the suicide died. Why is he still doing that? Like there's no reason for him to still be doing that move. There are other guys that can do these types of things. Leave it up to the cruisers, you know. Like there are other guys that can do that and, and do that, you know, without harming themselves. Uh, but I, I I I don't know, you know. I I feel as though Joe had a great run before he came to WWE. I think the fact that he's there now is, is something that you know we never thought would happen, and we're really glad that he's there. But if he were to kind of slow it down for a bit, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad. I don't think anybody else would either. I mean, it's clear world title is not in his future. So yeah, I mean, and but if you think in terms of like, and I don't want to do this whole like psycho career analysis of Samoa Joe, but from the moment that he debuted on NXT, like I feel like we believe that he would be would have become champion by now. But it feels just yeah. kind of like a string of bad luck has kind of prevented that, and not necessarily bad luck because he did have several opportunities at the championship. Now I didn't think he'd win. I mean, he unfortunately went through the same year that AJ. Styles was on the cover of a video game holding the WWE Championship, so there's no, uh, no way that he could ever win it. But it seems like it was just a string of like bad luck, and uh, you know, he's had opportunities here and there, and he's had you know, 
I think he's been he's been United States champion. I think that's really kind of it. But I felt like that's we it. all yeah. saw a kind of bigger career, and maybe it would have been bigger maybe ten years ago. But um, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's just you know I'm thinking. When did he sign? 2015 or so? 2016? If I'm looking for yeah, five it, years, it, I didn't. I never it, saw this as kind of the future. Maybe I was bucking. Yeah, and even when he signed, he had a really cool deal. He was allowed to do other indies. Like he he kind of um, started a, a new trend, you know, of, of how they signed NXT uh, and, and indie guys. But yeah, I, I you know I hope when he gets back, he has some sort of direction. I thought he was really cool with, with uh, KO. Uh, and the team against Seth, but it seems as though they filled in that slot with the Street Profits, so there there isn't a big loss there. Um, really, really quick, Mills, uh, Ruthless Aggression Episode 3, did you watch it? How'd you feel about it? I didn't get to see it yet. So I did watch it. It was advertised after Raw, so I said, you know what? I got, you know, what was it, 40, 42 minutes. minutes to kill? <laughs> I sat down, you know, that thing was 65 minutes long. I was like, God, oh, it's longer than all of them. It's the longest one so far. Yeah, it's a whole hour. And I'm like, first of all, in terms of just like the things that kind of we're talking about on this episode, and it's nothing. If you've been a wrestling fan for the last like 20 years, this is nothing that you already don't know. Um, they talked about bringing in Randy Orton and his problems and bringing in Ric Flair and his problems and Dave Batista and everyone thinking he can't wrestle and all of them don't deserve the spot. I thought what was interesting was kind of how candidly they spoke about the injury moment where initially evolution kind of started early 2003 didn't really get rolling until late 2003 because they were injured in a tag team match with the Dudleys and they really talked about they kind of like gave all perspectives of that match they also talked Mm -hmm. about the Mark Jindrak moment and Triple H really kind of like buried Jindrak (laughs) like pretty hard (laughs) pretty hard like I can't like to the point of like I can't stand being around him and Vince was the one pushing for Jindrak to be in the group and kind of replace Dave. And he was just like, nah, I can't deal with him. He's just too immature. Um, And it's just, you know, there's a whole lot of things. I thought it was way too long. I really did. I thought the whole, like, there's a whole part on Flair that might have lasted like tw- the first 20 minutes of it, of him just being a shell of his former yeah. self. That probably could have been Fl- Flair's own episode. Like, if you really want to go through, like, from where he started in WWE to where he retired, I thought that could have been his own episode that didn't really need the full 20 minutes of it. It was, like, 20 minutes on Randy, 15 minutes on Batista, and, like, Triple H filtered throughout. So, you know what? It's a good episode if you got the 65 minutes. Fortunately, I'm an old man. Um, did not think it would be that long no. after a three-hour Raw. And I was pretty mad. It was 65 minutes long, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a good watch. Yeah, it's a good watch. It's you might as well. Yeah, I just have so much stuff coming back. Like Better Call Saul is back now. Uh, it's just a bunch of TV shows that are, that are starting to come back. And you know, after Raw, I'm like, I have to unplug from wrestling in some way, shape, or form. So I'm, I'm going to try and check it out uh, yeah. tonight. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Bella Twins are Hall of Fame bound as announced on Friday on SmackDown. People are upset about this for some strange reason that they are upset that the Bellas are going into a Hall of Fame that has literally no rules. People are still upset about this. The Bella Twins going into Hall... I'm Well, so, looking from my vantage point, if I can see 
why people are upset, but still, it's like, bro, it's the Hall of Fame. I can see why people are upset, considering. Get over it. Yeah, but you, yeah, I, absolutely. I think it need to get over it. For instance, like, let me let me tell you about the Bell Twins and just kind of put their career retrospective. As much as they may not have been the best in the ring, and you know, they may not have been the top tier. We probably won't put them in our top five list for women and or WWE superstars. They are still so important to WWE's current product to the point where they've influenced the current product to the point where the reason why WWE, which they're part of the reasons that ushered in that kind of reality era for the WWE. The Bella Twins had left the WWE, I think it was in 2010, whatever, to seek opportunities. On their way back, they came back and they said, hey, we want to do a reality show. They're already figuring out the reality show when they weren't signed. And they're already trying to figure that out. And I'm pretty sure they were like, oh, crap, we probably should sign back and it will probably, you know, improve our own um, profile. Um, They brought that concept. I... for all that I know thus far in terms of all the reports that I read in terms of all the things, they brought that concept to the WWE and that ushered in total deep. Right. That's presented the opportunities for Natty. That's presented the opportunities for Naomi. That's presented opportunities for everyone featured on that show. Who's gotten that sort of, I still have people to this day who don't watch wrestling would watch total divas and can reference. And they're like, Oh my God, I yeah, love Jay. They're, they're always asking. Yeah, I love Jey Uso. I yeah, love and they're Naomi. They're always asking, like, is that real? Yeah. And, and like, did that happen? Or, like, what, what's going on? So that part is such a major thing that's in WWE's imprint now that maybe we take for granted, but something they're completely a part of. And then second, they do have a much higher profile than a lot of the other, you know, female wrestlers, to be honest with you. And that's hard work they put in on their own. And Nikki Bella, for instance, I think she's put in a ton of work during her run. I mean, there was a point where, you know, she was having a really good string of matches as Divas champion. Um, She was getting a lot of heat. She was competing in the ring. She came back from, you know, career. You know what? Like, I I don't want this to. I don't want this to feel like we are defending their right to be in this because one, I think we both agree they should be in this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And two. I don't think there, there's no rules to this. I, I feel as though, like the people who are like, it's, it's just known that, um, th- that it is a inevitability that they would be there. The, I saw a tweet saying like they got in before Brian. I'm like, Brian is still an active competitor. <laughs> what are y'all talking about? At right. Point? Like, what are you saying? Like you never went into the, into the hall of fame probably because they just, they I, like, wasn't it what, like after he retired, he came like right back after a couple months and, and started hosting SmackDown anyway. Yeah. I mean, or he was a GM. He was like a GM by the the GM, and yeah, and did talking smack and all this. But I'm, I'm still like, when you talk about the profile of you know WWE wrestlers over the last twenty years, especially the women wrestlers, you talk about the Trish, of course. You talk about Lita, of course. Honestly, to me, legitimately, the next one that has the highest profile are the Bella Twins. Like, and I know we're not supposed to be defending it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, to me, it's a no brainer. And that's kind of what I'm speaking of right now that like, use, (laughs) if I had the drop, use your brain, man, that's stupid. Like the little R. Kelly thing, (laughs) but like, that's what I would do right now because I'm just like, yo, I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I personally congratulate to the, you know, congratulations to the Bella twins. First of all, they're both pregnant. 
didn't see that coming, even though, I mean, a little fishy to me, but, you know. Uh, but the Bella Twins are such, you know, important superstars to this company and important things and have really improved the imprint of the WWE, especially for women moving forward, that it's just super important to have them here. So uh, we have another Saudi Arabia pay-per-view. This is I mean, uh, at, at this point, they're coming once a quarter. <laughs> I feel like yeah, they're, 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 they're here to offset WWE business. You know, uh, what was it? Their quarterly earnings every month, every year. And they're like, listen, only the quarters of Saudi Arabia is the only ones going up. Maybe we need to incorporate them a lot more. Yeah. This show seemed like a big deal uh, you know, relative to, to everything else. Um, I mean, I just want to talk about two matches here that I think have a lot of storyline implications. Obviously you have the gauntlet match with AJ Styles in it. Uh, we already, I think we pretty much know he's going to win that with, with the way that you know, he's the only person that's been talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but two matches I want to talk about are Ricochet, Ricochet and Brock and Goldberg Fiend. What do you want to know? Cause I can tell you the results <laughs> of both of them right now. Okay. Is this Ricochet match like the worst uh, the worst booked Brock title match ever, maybe. I think it's one in terms of like inevitability. It is one hundred percent an afterthought, and I think even I think even the Kofi one had a stakes of like, but could Kofi do it? Ricochet, yeah. kind of in this post Kofi defense world where the man loses in six seconds. To me, now Ricochet has no chance. I mean, he could climb up Brock Lesnar, do all types of backflips and all this other stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the inevitable is here. Um, so with Goldberg and The Fiend, it's been reported from sources that uh, the, um, the main events on WrestleMania are changing, and they've been changing rapidly for the past couple of days. Uh, namely the SmackDown main event is looking to be Brock, uh, not Brock, uh, Goldberg versus Roman Reigns with Goldberg winning this match against the Fiend. How do you feel about that? If that's possible, you know? Okay. So here's the thing. If Goldberg wins, I'm way, I don't even know. I don't even know the level of more excited I am for one <laughs> match than the other because so the, Roman, against the old is Roman against the old dude again. It's Roman yeah, against the old dude again. M- maybe it's like, Era versus era. Maybe this is our generation Hogan versus Rock type of deal. Um, or this generation's. I wouldn't say my generation because <laughs> my generation was way better than this. Um, but yeah. the the Roman but the Roman versus thing, I think you ruined so much by taking the title off of Fiend a month before WrestleMania. After all this build, after all the things that we've yeah. gone through in this entire process, and to just take the belt off of him. I see where the payday is. It's easily Roman versus Goldberg. But then you don't put the title on they can do the that Fiend in at all. <laughs> yeah. They, but you don't yeah. put the title on Bray at all. You don't do that. Like, you don't, you know, I, I, I don't understand if they do go with Roman versus Goldberg. I, I understand it from a business standpoint, but I don't understand it from the booking standpoint of, like, why even put the title on The Fiend. Um I think the Fiend, in terms of the only one who could plausibly beat the Fiend, I guess Goldberg is it. Goldberg beat Brock um, in an era where Brock was kind of untouchable, and he beat Brock pretty decisively. So for him to go up against the Fiend, I could definitely see it. Um, But man, I mean, this show's in two days, or actually when this airs tomorrow. Um, So we'll see. The last time they were in Saudi Arabia, this was 
this is what we got, right? Like we got the fiend winning the universal title. It'll be interesting if he goes back there and he loses it there. Yeah, it seems to be the great place to make him lose or win things around uh, people that probably could care less about the outcome of the match. Um, let's get to our mania moment. Yeah, uh, we are now uh, in a couple of. We're, we're now in terms of this moment. I wanted to pick something cool from from ten years ago, uh, and we are now ten years removed, almost eighth of uh, of March. Ten years removed from WrestleMania twenty six, which had the main event of The Undertaker uh, versus Shawn Michaels, streak versus career match. Um, man, listen, I really like this match, and low-key, I think I like it better than the uh, match the year before. You I are bugging, sir, but remember, go off. <laughs> no, I think I like it better. I think I like it better than, than that match. I think there was a lot more at stake. Um, I think the callbacks were definitely, uh, or definitely, like, more uh they, they had a lot of callbacks to, to last year's match yes but mm-hmm. i but i think that they they meant a lot more in the sense that the story that had been built up between them and and i want to talk about the video package as well for the the streak versus career match because this is like a two three year old storyline that culminates here and i think just everything that that had kind of come all the way up to this point made sense and it was logical and i can't remember a storyline that took two characters through so many things throughout the years and ended here just so succinctly and perfectly um i think this also and and i want to talk about this too putting up the door for the nxt formula right like the kickouts Mm -hmm. and all that stuff there were a lot of kickouts in this match and I can tell Shawn Michaels produces uh, NXT matches because they started in this fucking match in uh, WrestleMania 26. Uh, you know, in terms of which match is better, I still think you're bugging in terms of... And you know what? And it's... I don't want to say you're bugging as if you're, like, far off. They're both incredibly... I'm not bugging. They're incredibly spectacular matches. But the, the magic that that first match had and the hunger and the aggression and all of this other stuff, um, to me, supersedes this, you know, this follow-up match. And to me, it was really the first match was this once in a lifetime thing. The second match, to me, the way it was built is what separates it from the first match. And that's why I could see in terms of the argument, because the way it was built from kind of weaving in a story um, that clearly this man um, and, and you can believe it considering his age and stuff like that. He's you know he's waiting towards the end of his career and he has this kind of hunger and he has this one thing that he needs to still accomplish before he does it. And they showed a lot of imagery between the light and the darkness. There's a great YouTube video of them just combining both um, video packages from 25 and 26 together. That's amazing. Um, to me, the importance of this match uh, just in the it's the it's the perfect way to end a career right like it's the it's it's ending a career i mean there's one opportunity it's like oh you should end a career and put someone over who necessarily needs it but at the end of the day it's like writing the end to a perfect story and that's what i see in this match yeah, and, and it's their, and it's it's their story yeah it's 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 their story too like it, it like there's no one better to end that than maybe his biggest rival at the time even going all the way back to the 90s i mean the video package that i, that I spoke of too you know it has sean as the desperate he, he's desperate he wants to get that back and i remember watching the slammy awards when he accepted the award for match of the year and he stops and says i'm gonna do it again yeah, and I'm then everybody was like, "Nah, they're they're not gonna do it." 
And then you start to see more. Yeah, like I'm not done yet. And then more, more you start to see Sean deteriorate throughout the cut, the you know, the months leading to it. I think the best part to me was when he lost the Royal Rumble and we were like, everyone was thinking he was going to go another way. Are we, you know, at that moment, and, and that was to me, to this day, one of the slickest swerves ever in giving, because that gave Jericho edge. And then that led to Michael's Undertaker. And it's like, you just don't see storylines weave like that anymore in this current era. And this was just 10 years ago. But I, I really, to me, the I look at the journey to get to 26 as the culmination as to why I enjoyed that match. And of course, Sean, with all of his theatrics and, and the acting and stuff like that, like I really, I think this is the peak performance of him, uh, you know, bringing all those elements together from the Ric Flair match all the way to this. Like to me, it's just a, Really poetic match. I really love this match so much. I probably need to revisit it. I honestly have not revisited WrestleMania 26. I don't know what else is on the card. I'm assuming it's not good. But in terms of that match and kind of ending... It's terrible. Yeah, uh, assuming just ended that match and telling that story. um, You know, it's one of the great... I think you lump... I think you talk about this match, you kind of got to lump both programs in together and you kind of got to talk about it as this yeah. one mania moment because these were guys, to me, the first match is a five-star match. Second match is a five-star match. I still personally, if you're, if I'm preferring one, I prefer the first match to the second match, but they're both incredible and they kind of show like the wealth of knowledge. They really show kind of the wealth of knowledge that you get throughout an entire career. Like to be able to do this match, to yeah. able to tell this story, to be able to include the theatrics. This is like, you know, I make fun of the, the WrestleMania 28, the, 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 the Hell in a Cell match, because that is like sports entertainment with like all capital letters and like arrows pointing to it. But this match is kind <laughs> of like, to me, it's like art. It's kind of telling this story and it's capping it off very, very nicely. So I'm, you know, I'm in favor of this match. This match is incredible. How do you feel before we get off this moment, uh, which everyone should watch this match tonight, by the way. This match, of course, ended with uh, Sean slapping Undertaker, doing the cutthroat, and then Undertaker did a very rare, I don't think he's done it since, no. jumping tombstone. Like, he destroyed this man. Yeah. But uh, Sean, of course, had, he had to retire. And since then, we've seen so many false Undertaker retirements. But Sean kept his promise all the way to last year. How did you, you know, I... Just looking back, did we not like? We didn't like Sean not keeping his promise and, and performing in Saudi Arabia last year, right? That was like a, that was like a thing we didn't like that we like universally hated, right? Yeah, it didn't help that he was also bald, um, like very very bald. <laughs> I remember you saw his hair. <laughs> first of all, that first haircut. I'm just glad he, he he's probably better off bald, but it still didn't help. First of all, he could still move, but yes, it didn't help the fact I always thought, you know, in wrestling they say never say never. You're never really retired. I think Trish Stratus has retired like three times in the span of the last 15 years or so. Um, I think Ric Flair has retired, but he's had his matches in TNA. He's WWE retired, but like, I'm still not even sure if there isn't a check out there that he won't bleed for. Um, but yeah. you you think that with Shawn Michaels, it was a thing. And for a long time, it was until he came up to this show. And I think, you know what? I'm not particularly mad at it. I see it more that his career is really over and these are kind of more like just exhibition matches. These are more moments than actual matches to me. This isn't a run for Shawn Michaels, which is something that I can applaud. It's not like 
you know, his comeback after the first retirement. This isn't a run. So I'm I'm really kind of like fine with it. I'm not necessarily miffed by it. I'm not thing. We make jokes all the time about the, the Saudi bag, but I'm not really miffed by it at all. Like it, it was a moment. He came to yeah. create another moment, which is what you do in professional wrestling. And he did exactly just that. Okay. Let's talk about the shows really quickly. Uh, SmackDown. I enjoyed it. I like SmackDown on Friday. I'm not going to lie to you. SmackDown wasn't bad. They're doing this thing where... So they, I feel like this is like one of the rare two, and maybe last week's too. Um, but this was one of the rare SmackDowns where it was like, all right, let's plan this out in advance and <laughs> make this the best show that we can with what we're given because yeah. they had it. I mean, to me, advertising the Bellas on the show, I think it's great. Advertising Goldberg on the show, I think it's great. I think they advertised that number one contender match between Carmella and Naomi. That was great. They had yeah, all these yeah, elements. There was a yeah. there was a eight man tag they advertised before. I was like, oh, this is fantastic! Like, I'm actually excited to watch the show. And you're even still getting the Mandy and Otis type of thing. Like, they they did their best with what they got, and that's all I can ask for. Um, now, is it raw? Hell yeah. no, it's still not raw. <laughs> but it it wasn't a terrible watch. Yeah, except no, for no. one except for one particular match. And we'll move to that. Uh, I really enjoyed the Symphony of Destruction match between Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Cesaro versus yes. Elias, and uh, Braun Strowman. That was that a was... really good match. Like yeah. they went all out. Now like, this is a random SmackDown on a random day. <laughs> like they're really going all out. That that was so good. Like to me, in terms of just like a gimmick match, and we've seen all these kind of corny gimmick matches thus far. But they really decided to up the ante and make it as violent as possible, which I appreciate from a person who loves mm-hmm. the violence. And I'm sure Cyrus, head of War Report, as well, can appreciate this match too, considering all the blood, guts, and glory that he's into. But it, it, they decided to make it as violent as possible, and I was for it, man. I'm, I, I live for it. That was a really, really good match. Really big spot with uh, Braun on Shinsuke slamming him into you know, at the end. Uh, it looked like Shinsuke's head got caught on the edge, and he, he needed stitches uh, and staples to uh, to repair the the hole that was open in the back of his head. A lot of people were like, "This is the stupidest spot ever." And then I was like, "Would you guys be watching the AEW Don't say death it. Come match? On. Just, we had a watching, whole show without watching the Minoru." You'd be watching the Minoru Suzuki. Fucking All right, come on! You didn't have to. Neck, you didn't have to mention shit. the Cracker Barrel dive off saying, the top keep, rope. I'm just saying through the keep, table. I'm just saying keep the same energy. I'm just saying keep the same energy. You didn't have to. You know the energy was not kept. You didn't have to mention. But you know the energy that, wasn't kept. Listen, listen. If the, if my point if my point was if my point was they didn't keep the same energy, then then am I right or wrong? Listen, I'm not agreeing with anything. I'm just saying this match. Well, I agree right. with what this match was. Fire. Next point. Next point. <laughs> Next point. Uh, Lacey, the the Lacey segment uh, with Renee Young was what a crock of strange. <laughs> oh my god! Absolutely strange. Uh, so I'm from Virginia. Okay, mm-hmm. I have family from Florida. I have family from Georgia. All over. Been to all of these places. Yes. Never in my life have I heard anyone refer to anybody as a nasty. It's just a, you know. What is Lacey talking about? She's like, you know, just between friends, you know, I just say you're a nasty. It just, you know, it's a term of endearment. And I was like, excuse me, madam. Excuse me. The, the, is this the true N word? 
Like, is this... Is Go this... ahead and say what you mean, Lacey. Yeah, nasty? Come on. Relax, Lacey. Come on. They're really... So they won't, They don't want us to forget about Lacey, in my opinion. Um, I think they're going to have her end up winning that women's battle royal. Uh, because I just feel like they don't want us to get off of Lacey as of yet. Lacey hasn't been on television, but they've made sure to, like, let's set up an interview. Let's get her back over. Let's get the people talking about her again to sort of build up some anticipation for this. Let's at least do that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But the whole nasty thing, nah, I'm, no, please, no, 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 no. I, I don't. I don't buy it. <laughs> I never bought it. I'm glad I never believed you as, as a face because this is just pure, you know, the lies, the lies and deceit to all my nasties out there. Um, so you've, you've, you've turned, you've turned on her. Off of, I've never like, turned I on her. her I was never on her. <laughs> I was never a Lacey fan. I never trusted her. Just let you know. Speaking of the women, uh, Naomi and Carmella, less said about it, the better. Mm. Really bad match. I think these two. I I don't think these two could leave a match in the same way that Carmella and, and Charlotte could could go with each other, or Naomi and Bailey could go you know well with each other in that way. Like sometimes it's like oil water. Like two styles don't mix. I feel like there's a lot of things that they both do that are like similar as far as like the acrobatic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of stuff that they are just, they just don't do well at all where it's like, you know, trying to play Carmela as the, uh, you know, grounding Naomi and, and having her be in that position in that match and having her do submissions and stuff like that just didn't work for me. And I also feel like the match was just like, I think someone described it. I don't remember who it was. They said that like, it was almost like they kept saying, okay, I'm going to do this spot and you're going to do this. That spot. was me. And that's what it really felt like. That was me. Oh, it was you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was me because that's a set. That's essentially what. A, and it, to be honest with you, and I love Naomi, but it's not the first time I've seen a Naomi match like that, and it's not the first time I've seen the Carmella match like that. I think just necessarily um, both of them. I think the whole story aspect. Some people don't get it down. Um, some people, you know. Just, you know, it, it's like you said, the less said about it, the better. But to me, oof, like even you two couldn't clean that match up, in my opinion. Like it just looked, they were calling <laughs> spots. They were doing all these other things very loudly. And then eventually it was over. And I was just like, oof, okay, we're here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have Goldberg and The Fiend meeting face-to-face at the end. I thought a really fun segment uh, really nice to see Goldberg get his heat on, on the Fiend. Uh, and the Fiend actually looked weak for once, uh, and actually have to run away from someone. I think that they've set this up pretty well. Um, I'm interested and intrigued. I think this is the same way that I was about the Seth and Fiend match in October. Like, are they really going to do this? And we, again, like we said earlier, we will not know until the end of this match. Uh, I, I'm rooting for Goldberg here. I think that Roman and Goldberg would be really fun. I, I really still enjoy Goldberg in like really short sprints. And uh, I guess we'll see on, on Thursday. But, uh, I mean, how could you make a Fiend match even better uh, other than making it only three minutes long? <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's going to be a really short match. And that's all we can really, you know, hope for at the end of the day. Um, moving on to Monday Night Raw, I enjoyed the show immensely. It was way better than last week's show <laughs> by leaps I, and bounds. How did I feel about the show? I don't know. I think a lot of it, there were definitely some moments about the show that I liked, but then there were some other moments where I was kind of like tuned out by like the sort of, um, 
I wouldn't say. I guess it would Bobby be Lashley. More. Anytime Bobby Lashley, anytime Bobby Lashley's on screen, I'm doing. Yeah, that. and but also kind of like the repetition of a lot of the things on the show, and not to say that it's bad, and not to say that it's boring or anything like that. But when you've seen something once, um, you know, you, you you're less interested maybe to see it again. Um, I'll probably I in, in that case I'll give it up to Alistair Black and Eric Rowan. I know we're I'm skipping a little bit forward in terms of the things here. Yeah, that's fine. But I'll, I'll give it's a fun. little bit to Alistair Black and Eric Rowan because I think they generally had a very competitive match and they did kind of what the best that they could do to make Eric Rowan look believable in that moment because it yeah. was like, okay, he got beat up beforehand. He might not be 100%, but then you see, you know, Alistair Black really come in and kind of like nail it and all this other stuff like that and really hit that kick really do a whole lot of things and kind of it showed the pugnacity of, you know, Alistair Black. And I truly appreciated that. I think it did much more for, you know, continuing to build him in that career. But like, what are you doing? Also in the second stance, what are you doing? Yeah, Alistair Black? Well, I mean, well, I mean, we see what they're doing. Alistair Black, you mentioned earlier that he had gotten beat up before that he got beat up by AJ Styles in the club uh, in the perfunctory. I see you backstage and I beat you up segment of the night. Uh, he, he saw AJ Styles and they and they prompted you know to uh, antagonize him and, and beat him up. Uh, Alistair was hurt going into the match. I think in a lot of ways, as much as I enjoy Rowan Black, it kind of made Rowan look like a geek because he couldn't beat somebody that like got his ass whipped right before that. But again, this is to heighten the drama of Alistair's first loss. Uh, this is of course leading us to Alistair Black and AJ Styles uh, next Monday in Brooklyn. I think you have the Undertaker Specter looming over this match as well which to me creates a lot more intrigue than we had going in. Um, I don't know if this is going to be Alistair's first loss. I would not do that on Raw. I would not give that away on Raw. I think Heyman is smarter than that. Um, But it does open up some interesting uh, questions if Alistair does beat AJ Styles, who is claiming to be the best in the world, and he Mm -hmm. wants to get the Undertaker. I think that that sets up a a really interesting three uh, triple threat here or, or three-person storyline here with Alistair immediately jumping to the front and, and in a position that we didn't two weeks ago or even a month ago we didn't think was possible because we didn't know. You know, I think, you know, you think Alistair Black Undertaker, you're thinking, okay, if they didn't do Sting Undertaker, they're, they're not going to put Undertaker against somebody in that same type of vibe. But if they do that here, then that's something that's immediately interesting, and I think that that's something that I want to see. Um, um, we also had, uh, we had Angel Garza and Umberto also. Which I thought, I thought was, was a spectacular. Opener. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was good. Uh, I, I think they work really well together. I think they work really well together. Um, I thought it was good. I thought, yeah, once again, they work really, really well together. I think it's one of those matches you put on TV to entertain a crowd for about 15 minutes or so. You have them go all out. You give kind of the people what they want. You give the people the sports entertainment where they have all the, you know, these characters running around and then you give them the wrestling action. So it's kind of like all part of a really balanced show from Paul Heyman's Raw or whatever he's writing right now. Uh, what did you feel about the the weaving of storylines? I, I know I'm mentioning this again between uh, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, who is now inserted into this, and uh, Seth Rollins and the Disciples. We had Seth and Mon- Montez. You had uh, Angelo Dawkins and Buddy Murphy, and you had uh, Kevin Owens and Randy Orton in a match that hasn't happened in quite some time, I think. Uh, all three fresh matchups. Yeah. You know what? I thought necessarily in terms of the whole Kevin Owens and Randy Orton thing, I love that idea of when – you know, superstars kind of, you know, 
if you have issues with one another, you kind of take it up with one another and you're not living in the bubble of your own aggressions with whoever you're facing. And it also gives Kevin Owens yeah. a chance to breathe character wise instead of trying to play off Seth Rollins and trying to continue to push the sort of issue on Raw. I mean, even though he is pushing the issue, instead of trying to like continue to push the issue, even though he's lost so many times, it's like it's not even funny anymore. But it gives them a but chance. They found, to- they found a way. They found a way to make it fresh. Yeah, that's now. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying because you, to me, with the Randy Orton thing, you you give it a a, fre- a breath of fresh air in terms of how you're presenting this. You're able to kill two birds with one stone. You're able to continue to promote the Seth and you know the Seth and KO feud while you're also continuing to advance the edge in the Orton feud. And you're also doing it in Canada where Kevin Owens is from. You're able to have that show. You know, he's going to get a big pop through the night and you're able to have this match and people are going to be super invested in it. And then you also, once again, another great main event for Monday night raw that we haven't seen in a long time. I think it's once again, using all your resources together and all these parties and all these other things like that and making the best show ever. Um, and they they had a they had a screw job ending in Canada, so of course Heyman, <laughs> well aware of of uh, our fears of that, and he went ahead and did it anyway with the crooked ref. And how do you match. feel about crooked refs? Uh, I thought it was really funny. I thought it was great. I I think that they're again they're doing everything right with the Seth Rollins character, uh, in my in, in in my eyes. I just think that the promos for me just haven't hit. So like mm-hmm. this week he didn't really have many promos uh, to speak of. But the character work was was on point. So he's he keeps saying when 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 Kale reveals the shirt, the Seth Rollins shirt, Seth is like, I had nothing to do with that. And it's like he keeps screaming, like, I had nothing to do with that. I have no clue where that's coming from. And then, you know, he gets powerbombed through a table. But again, it's like, I need to believe it. You know, I mm-hmm. need to believe that Seth believes that he is his character and I'm I'm just not getting it. I need him to have like the the old tele televangelist uh, you know, righteous gemstones look and feel to this but maybe they're going a different way but i'm still enjoying it but before we before we even get to the next point or you know before we get off of this point seth versus montez what a match that was really enjoyable yeah i thought it was fine i thought it was a really you know great use of both guys and able to give angela dawkins an opportunity to shine on his own and montez ford an opportunity to shine on their own not to say that they need to at this point because i still don't think that they should but you're able to give these opportunities. You're able to give them their own kind of separate personalities and people buy into one or the other or buy into both of them. Um, I think it's a great look for both of them and put them in the ring against guys like Buddy Murphy and sorry, Murphy um, and Seth Rollins and stuff like that. You know, you're able to draw eyes. Well, even, even crazier even crazier is that Dawkins didn't really get much of a match. Uh, Seth hopped in for the, the DQ relatively early in the match and it went right to Seth and Montez, which got quite some time and it went through a couple of commercial breaks. Um, but I thought again, Montez, and we've been saying this from the beginning, he, he is going to be an all-star <clears throat> very soon. And I think this proves it. Like he can hang in the ring with Seth. You can do, you can do it with anybody. And they're clearly positioning Montez to be, be the worker of the two uh, with, with Dawkins being the really good hot tag guy. And I think it's really working for me, at least uh, on the, on uh, this angle. I don't but like they the- have a tag team. No, nah, I don't like to separate them too much because I feel like we're continuously like writing one person in this kind of story and it's the Janetti and Shawn Michaels thing. And I remember for a long time we had that Miz and Morrison thing and everyone thought Morrison was the Shawn Michaels of the group and then it ended up being Miz and ended up superseding. So I don't think we know I, I don't think that, the trajectory. I don't think they're doing that. 
I don't think they're doing that here. I'm just saying. I think that, it's just the know, perception. It, it, That's what I'm saying. It's more so the perception. Like you were saying, like Montez was really highlighted and all this other stuff like that. But I do think that, you know, I think it, it helped. It, you know, unfortunately helps create this sort of narrative that Angelo Dawkins is the Marty Jannetty and Montez is the Shawn Michaels and all this other stuff like that. Whereas both guys can, I think, can be awesome in their own special ways. And to me, it hinders the tag team because then we start expecting the breakup eventually after a while. Like, why isn't Montez doing this? Why isn't Montez doing that? And that's where I think the problem sort of comes in for the the tag team itself. Um, I think they're going to win the tag team titles tomorrow. So um, I hope so. That's all I can say. That'd be dope. Uh, Really quick before we get out of here, how do you feel about Shayna Baszler? Real, real quick. Uh, and, and the Oscar stare down. I thought that that got a really good reaction. I thought the segment as a whole was really, really cool. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, what happens in the Elimination Chamber between Shannon and Becky. I could write a thousand words about Oscar and my love for everything that she's been doing and kind of the role that she's evolved into. She's kind of like, she's lingering into that role. Remember when she was NXT women's champion and she just couldn't be beat. And she was like doing beachside promos and all this other stuff like that. Like that's kind of what she's leaning into because she's, she's obviously, if you want, I mean, we're fans of the Kanachan and stuff. You kind of see God, how silly she can actually be. And she's more leaning into that. And she isn't using the fact of the non-English stuff as a crutch. And she's actually using it to help bolster her character. And it's something to me where it was always a problem before. And I'll, I'll wrap this up really quickly. It was always a problem before when an act couldn't really speak English or something like that. or wasn't fluent in English. And how are they going to connect with the crowd? But Asuka's here showing you that you don't really need that to connect with the crowd. She's someone who just charisma pops off screen and that moment where she was standing across from Shayna Baszler to me is something that I think eventually that the crowd is ready for and they're going to get the crowd ready for it yeah uh so that was Raw Smackdown and everything in the world of wrestling this week um thank you all for listening we uh we I think we have a couple of announcements that we'll do next week Mills is that is that right we'll have a quite a few announcements I'll just say Mark Madness is coming back I'll do it really really quickly <laughs> <laughs> Mark yeah, Madness yeah. is coming back, so stay tuned to the RNC Radio Live Twitter feed for all stuff relating to Mark Madness, because I know we have to get out of here pretty quickly um, this week. So stay tuned for everything Mark Madness related. Just stay subscribed to RNC Radio Live. Um, we will... Oh, very important. Very, very important. We probably should have led the show with this. Um, after this week... That's what I was talking sh- about. Yeah, after that, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> this show will no longer be on SoundCloud. So if you have not already subscribed to iTunes and given us five stars, by the way, if you have not already subscribed to Spotify, I don't know if there's a star system on Spotify. I personally don't use it, but um, rate us high if there is. Um, or any other things. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on Transistor.fm. We're moving away from SoundCloud. All the shows actually on RNC Radio Live will be moving away from SoundCloud. So if you're subscribed to the show, make sure you stay tuned to our RNC Radio Live feed to figure out where you can subscribe to see your own show um, or their new you know, locations for these shows. Because trust me, we're making moves and we're making big moves. You already saw that we sponsored now, baby. Come on. This is a show. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, on. sir. You better, so you better popcorn a- it up. You know what I'm saying? Sponsored by popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, thank you for listening. We'll see you then. Happy Rusev Day.